What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Nunez, and today I have a very special guest with me. I have Jason Jones of The Athletic, the King's coverage there. How you doing today, Jason? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk a little bit. No problem, no problem at all. So, I went through your athletic Q&A a little bit, and I saw you talking about music. I wanted to start asking you about this a little bit. I saw you throw <laughs> Anderson Pack in there. What else are you listening to right now? I'm uh, listening to New, new Schoolboy Q dropped last week. Listening to a little bit at... Uh, I'm kind of just... I'm, I, I go back to a lot of my 90s stuff. A lot of Nipsey right now because I was already listening to it a bit. It kind of with him dying, it kind of made me go back and listen to some of the other things he had done. So I'm a very big West Coast hip hop guy. You know, I love that new Anderson pack. So I'm a I got a R&B part. Me, I mean, I listen to a lot of everything. So, but right now, you know, generally my my channel is 90s West Coast hip hop maybe to the early 2000s, but I'm not that old guy who says it was only good when I was growing up. <laughs> I'll listen to a lot of different yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, there's there's some decent stuff out. I feel you with the Nipsey. I like the Anderson pack a lot going on. Some good features in there. And yeah, there's two pretty nice recent albums there that are pretty good. I heard that you're in the shoes a little bit too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about the, the new De'Aaron Fox Nike collab? I like them from what I mean. It's the pictures I've seen, and I love Air Max shoes. The only thing is, like, I was telling someone, if I got them, I could never wear them to work because I just, I don't, I can imagine De'Aaron really getting the kick out of seeing me wearing his shoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a shoe guy. All the, I love, you know, I'm a big shoe collector. Not a big one. I mean, I'm not PJ Tucker, but, you know, <laughs> I do what I can. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I like shoes that are, I, I like things that are a little different, you know, some people don't like the idea that both shoes aren't the same. I kind of like that. I like, you know, multicolors. You can do different things with those. So I liked what I saw. Okay, I'm a big Air Max guy anyway. So yeah. we'll just have to see, you know, we'll see what the, what the price range is and all that fun stuff. Yeah. You think that this eventually leads to like an actual a basketball shoe? Cause this is more of a casual. I don't know with De'Aaron because De'Aaron, it almost, knowing him a little, it would make sense that his shoe would not be a basketball shoe. I know I see him in a lot of Air Maxes anyway. And the shoes he tends to like to play in are those real high, high tops, like those yeah. Kobe, the, the Kobe 9s and, and the Jordans that are high. And I don't know if, you know, you know, if he, right now, he's not a guy who would probably get a signature shoe, basketball shoe anyway. And if he did, but you really just want to basically bite the Kobe nine. I know he likes that shoe. He likes it. He played it in high school, which makes me feel you know, even older. <laughs> you know, but he said he played in that shoe in high school. He really liked, you know, the, the style of it. So, you know, maybe at some point, you know, he becomes an all-star. I think Kyrie has got, got their shoes at that point. So yeah. maybe down the road, you could see a De'Aaron Fox. And I miss knowing the way he is about shoes. And it's funny, he always says that his brother is actually the shoe guy. So he just likes shoes. His brother is actually the expert in what shoes to wear and what to put it with, that type of stuff. So okay. I think in a few years, maybe that could be his thing. All right, so so hopping into basketball a little bit, some kings. I wanted to start with, I was going to name some guys. And if you're good with that, I wanted you to give me your opinion on if they were going to have a larger or lesser role going into next season. And then the okay. biggest thing they should focus on in the off season. All right. Sorry about that. We'll start with Fox. 
Okay, Fox. Uh, bigger role, just because I think he'll become a better player. So I just think as he gets better, his role just naturally gets bigger. And he has a big role already. I think the only thing is with his role, when I say bigger role, I think more responsibility. I don't think they want to play him a whole lot more minutes. I mean, they're already in the, you know, in the 30s. I don't think you want to get to that Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau minute range. <laughs> but I definitely think his role will be increased because they'll have a, they'll have a lot more responsibility next season. And then the thing that you feel like he should be focusing on in this offseason? His jump shot got better. I mean, if I, mean I, I know he'll work on that. I think for him it's about physically making sure he gets stronger. So when he drives into the lane, he can go through the contact and draw more fouls, get to the foul line more. That's going to be the big thing for him just because really the scouting report on De'Aaron is try to beat him up. You know, you can't keep up with him in the open court. to try to slow the game down and beat him up. So just, just continue to get stronger. Uh, work on the jump shot, continue to improve in there, which is, you know, which he's already done. I think his shooting took a tremendous jump last season. It was no longer a thing where, I mean, I think teams are still going to give him the jump shot, but, you know, his rookie year, you basically, you know, if he was a three point line, you just looked at him like, okay, go ahead and shoot it. Yeah. Now you got to respect that shot. So I think he just continues to work on that and getting stronger. Yeah. Next name I got for you is Bogdan Bogdanovich, starting with both the guys that you released your uh, your previews on. Mm-hmm. I think he'll have a bigger role. I think his role will be more defined. That was kind of a part of the struggle of last year was just that you know, he missed those first you know 10 or so games with the injury. And he came by the time he got back, Buddy's rolling, De'Aaron's rolling, and trying to figure out where exactly he fit in best, you know, whether that's was it as an off guard, as a point guard? You know, just kind of figuring out where he belongs was probably one of the tougher things to figure out last season. But I imagine that just under, you know, in, in new offense and uh, with the, uh, what you I can remember seeing Luke Walton do in L.A. when he did have, you know, Rondo and Lonzo. And actually, you have a LeBron on the court with a point guard. That basically is having two point guards. So I could see situations where you would play Bogdanovich and Fox together you know, have two facilitators. And I think that'll be a much, a much more defined role for him. And that way you won't see him doing like in the last season, a lot of catching the ball late in the clock and trying to create offense, which is not really what he's, what he's best at. So I expect to see more from him. Okay. And still like that six man type spot in the rotation. I think so. Yeah. Just because, you know, there's really nowhere to put him <laughs> in the starting yeah. lineup right now. And that experience, Experiment of making him a small forward wasn't good for him. You know, you're asking him to defend threes, and really, to me, what all it really did was put him in foul trouble. Because yeah. There's, there's really no, you know, it's, it's no fault of his own. It's just that you're asking him at about six five to defend a Kevin Durant one night. You know, then he's defending a, a LeBron or a Brandon Ingram type guy, or if you, even if you're in Phoenix, you know, you got Josh Jackson, who's a pretty athletic guy, about six eight. So no matter what. He's always going to be a size disadvantage in that situation. I think if you can bring him off the bench, maybe dictate more of the matchups. And he's a little bit different with that offseason focus since he's a little bit on the older side after playing overseas for a little while. But is there a way that you see him taking a big step by improving something this offseason? Just make this, this you know, just stay healthy. I mean, the really to me, the only thing that really hindered him last season to start was that he wasn't that he you know injured his knee again. So as long as he's healthy, I, I know he's a He's a pro. He's not going to overdo it. Uh, last time I talked with him, he hadn't really decided on, you know, what he would do in the summer in terms of national team type stuff, working out with that team. But, you know, that's kind of the tricky thing about basketball. The only the way you get better at basketball is playing basketball. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, you can, you can get hurt with the national team. You can also get hurt in a in a in an open gym. So there really, you know, there really is no, you know, one way to stay healthy or one way to make it work. So. To me, it's just making sure he's healthy. You know, I think if he's healthy, you know, he would be 26, 27. You know, he's at that part stage of his pro career where he knows, he knows what he is, knows what he does well. So just come in healthy and ready to go. So then the next guy I got for you and the next few after that, there's a little bit of positional questioning too. But to start with Harrison Barnes, I mean, there's that player option, $25 million, I is it feeling like that's going to be reworked this off season? Uh, th- no matter what, he I, I think he'll be back. 
I mean, <laughs> and that's just kind of the, the main thing that he'll be back either way. Yeah, the, the Kings have no intention of letting him get away, even if he does opt out. I think you know, there's there, it all just depends on you know money wise how you how do you want to do it? Do you want to take twenty five million this year, you know, and then become unrestricted next year, or do you want to do it this year and just kind of lock yourself in for four, you know, lock yourself in now? Yeah. So I, I think if you're the Kings, it might be it might be more friendly for you financially if instead of the one year twenty five, you can get say four and a hundred. Some, you know, something like that that would knock the number down a, a little bit. But the Kings have cap space, so they, you know, even if Harrison doesn't do that, they'll be fine. But I just, I just think no matter what, barring some crazy happening, I fully expect him to be back with the Kings next season. And I'm glad about that. I feel like his defense did a lot for the entire team. He's a little bit of a veteran leader, you know, championship experience. You had a good article on it that the reason they brought him in was they were looking for that to fill that hole at the small forward position. And then we saw Jaeger play him at the four a little bit more. Where do you see him being ideal? To me, it's the three. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh, I think it is the three. I mean, you know, it's that was kind of one of the contentious things between the front office and Jaeger, just the idea that, you know, you, you know, you follow the team, you know, one of the things uh, Dave constantly mentioned or complained about or brought up was the idea of not having any wing, you know, wings with size, you know, those guys in that six, eight, six, seven range who could defend more than one spot. And you finally get that guy and he's playing power forward. (laughs) And so it completely negates that of having Harrison out there to start games on those, you know, dominant threes. What you're doing is you're putting Bogdanovich in foul trouble to start games. And that's just not, you know, that, that wasn't what, what the, you know, when Vlade traded for Harrison, that's not what he envisioned happening. Yeah. And, you know, it's a situation where Vlade was going to go down there and tell Dave, don't do that. You know, he's going to let him coach the team how he sees fit. But it was definitely frustrating for people to kind of just sit there and watch that stretch of games. It's just, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people I talked to. And there are, there are people who believe in the run the league that maybe Harrison can play four in today's NBA, but I think, the Kings to be good, especially when you have a Marvin Bagley, or you know, waiting to start. You got to play him at the three. Yeah. So Bagley was actually the next guy I got for you. I mean, to okay. me, it's pretty clear that's going to be a larger role. My big question oh, yeah. is that: Do you feel like he's better equipped to play the four or the five? That's a tricky thing because I've talked to people who think he's a five, and they just figure that as he gets older and stronger, he'll be a five. People think because he can, you know, he's the, um, he has a jump shot that's coming, you know, that he could be a four. I think it really it doesn't really matter. It depends on who you're playing him with. Yeah. I think when, you know, you saw later in the year, he started defending fives more. He was playing with, you know, he was getting minutes with Bielitsa. And there were times where he'd get those minutes and Bielitsa would defend the center. He'd be on the perimeter. Now, I don't really think it even matters. As long as, you know, if, if he can shoot, I think you make him in the four almost interchangeable, yeah. whether it's Bielitsa, whether it's, you know, Giles, whoever you're putting with him, I think it's pretty much interchangeable. Not just, you know, and I think it's also a matchup thing. Sometimes, you know, it's, I think it's still too much to ask him to go against a guy like Embiid, who's just so much bigger. And in some, in some of these cases, it's just, it's just a matter of Marvin just being what, just, just turned 20, what, a month or two ago? <laughs> so, I mean, some of it's just that. He's the type of guy who might show up in the fall, and he's going to be bigger just because, you know, he got older. So if he's a bigger, stronger guy, he could probably play a lot more five. But I just think, you know, there's going to be lineups where it's going to be him at the five and just four perimeter guys, too. So I think what the big thing is he gives them a lot of versatility and options. So if he can go back and forth between four and five. So then for his offseason focus, does it – change based on what the Kings want him to be positionally? No, it, it, it doesn't change. They, they want him to develop those skills as far as ball handling, continue to improve on that, continue to improve on his jump shot, you know, push his range out to the three-point range with more consistency. You know, remember when he got when he got drafted, Lottie had said they thought he could play all three front court positions and pretty much everyone laughed at the idea because so you're telling me this guy can play small forward. Yeah. And, you know, but they, I mean, they're, they're, the thinking really was, you know, was that if, you know, if you can get him a good three-point shot with his athleticism, you could have a super big front court 
with him up there with two other, you know, more traditional bigs, it's because of his athleticism. So that's that's going to be a big reason why you're going to see a focus on him with with his jump shot, mid range game, three point range, you know, and as that shot that shot can fall consistently, you know, before you know it. He's catching the ball, pump faking, driving by guys, getting to the to the paint. So I, I, I truly believe that when the Kings, I'm not, and this is just me assuming it, when they are a playoff caliber team, I think he'll be their best player. That's just that's just me from what I've been watching them and seeing things that I think Marvin will be able to do. I think for them to be a good team, he'll be the best player on the team. I just think he's going to be that dynamic. It's that's interesting. We just talked about this on the last episode between him and Bagley. And I was pushing a little bit more Bagley. My co-host had it on Fox. So we had a question. Do you think that having Bagley as that number one option is, is enough to take you? I mean, everyone's looking for a championship, you know, like, can he be the number one option on that good of a team? Uh, it's kind of hard to, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. they haven't even made up to the playoff team. It's kind of hard to push that far out. But just like just being around the league for a while and seeing the things that Marvin can do. I think that for them to be a good, you know, you know, to be to be a good team, I think he has a skill set that he can be the best player on a good team just because he can do so much. Talking to people after he was drafted, they some people said that he can have a Draymond Green effect, you know, on both ends because he could be a guy who would be a decent passer, and defensively he can grab a board and push the ball up the court. Yeah. And he can then, you know, start a break on his own. So if you've got a guy who can do that, he can impact the game in several different ways. And and I think he kind of got knocked for his defense a lot coming out, which was a lot of ways pretty unfair because, you know, when you're playing a, a zone in college, you know, I would talk to him about it. He said people didn't even know what his responsibilities were, but they were telling him he was bad on defense. <laughs> and I think we saw with the Kings, <laughs> you, know, he, you know, he's got a lot to learn clearly, but he's definitely not – this horrible defender everyone thought he was going to be. He was going yeah. to be one of the worst guys, you know, we ever seen. So I just think if he develops on both ends, I think he has the right type of personality to be the best player on your team. I mean, there's guys who, there's guys who, you know, who don't like to lose or love to win. Marvin's a guy who hates losing. He can't stand losing. So I think if he's going to be your best player, you got a guy, you have a guy who hates, almost hates to lose more than he loves to win. Just be that competitive. Yeah, and that's a good spirit to have. You know, we talked about music a little bit. You happen to catch Bagley's, Bagley's mixtape at all? Uh, I got the one last year. I don't know if he had anything new. I know he wasn't really doing a whole lot, putting anything out, really. But I was surprised when I heard. I was like, okay, you know, yeah. a little flow, you know. I, I mean, I was surprised because I just didn't know what to expect. Because, you know, guys put out music and you're like, uh, do I really want to do this? Like, if it's bad... Now yeah. I got to look at him and be like, man, this dude's been trying to rap. You know, go work on you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be looking at him like, oh, here he is trying to rap. Like, why don't you go work on your free throws? You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got some talent. You know, and I'm a, I'm a person who believes that we can't play basketball 24 hours a day. So I've never, under, my folks get all up in arms about why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? No one does their job all day, so. Yeah. I figure if, if it helps him relax, more power to him, go ahead and do it. Yeah, so he just put out a whole mixtape. I want to say it's like 10 plus songs uh, within the month. Oh, yeah. See, I was so busy worried about coaching, coaching yeah. news and all that stuff. I hadn't even really, you know, checked it. I'll check it out and see, you know, see what he's doing. I mean, I would love to kind of, you know, go to the studio and just see, you know, see his creative process. Yeah. You know, some guys weird about that, you know, like that. They gotta have just certain people around. But I definitely know that it's something he likes to do. Obviously, you know, you're not putting out a mix because you don't like music, but yeah. it's something that he, you know, he really enjoys, and he's actually not bad at it. You know, he's got legitimate producers working with him, things like that. So, yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a listen. You know, maybe that'll be my next music when I'm working out. There you go. Yeah, I almost got like a J Cole type vibe from him. That's that's what I got from his music a little bit. Okay, I mean that would that would make sense, you know. That whole you know working with guys like Knife Wonder, being yeah. at Duke free, you know, maybe maybe Cole and everyone got a hold of him while he was out there. Yeah. So you talked about Bagley hating to lose. I feel like another guy that falls in that category is Harry Giles. You feel like mm-hmm. that's a larger role next year too? Yeah, I think so. I just because I think I'm assuming you know 
that's also assuming to say Willie Willie's not back. Yeah. And that'll open up some more minutes for him. And there won't be that stint to Starkey where he's in, you know, not in the rotation. You know, he won't be, you know, there won't be a G League stint next year. So, I mean, just by default, that has to increase his role. It's just a matter of where do you see, where do you play him at? I mean, Jaeger used him primarily as a center. And I think he, he he's either guy if he if he can get more of you know a, a deep jump shot, you can make him and Harry I mean, Harry him and Marvin just interchangeable and it doesn't matter who plays where. I just didn't I didn't like the matchups that Harry saw defensively playing center. I mean as, as physical as Harry is, Harry is not a big you know, especially upper body wise a big, you know, physical guy. He yeah. plays physically, but he you know, just sometimes you you're at a straight side advantage. So I think that you know, as, as he kind of like with you know with uh, De'Aaron, kind of same thing with Marvin. The guy guy is very young. They got to get stronger. I think Harry will get we also be better too because people forget prior to this past season, Harry really hadn't been healthy and played for what three years. Yeah, and I think in some ways Kings did him a disservice with like you know remember the, the whole all the videos you know. Harry's working hard. Harry's on the way. And I'm like, is Chris Weber legitimately coming back? Call, you know, I was, I was, I was like, no, you don't put that type of pressure on a guy who yeah. hasn't played ball in three years. And I think that was part of his frustration early on is just that he wasn't playing, you know, and then there had been all this hype about, well, we got, we got Harry, we got Harry. One national writer had said the only intriguing thing about the Kings would be what Harry Giles did. <laughs> and then Harry's not even playing. Yeah. So, I mean, that couldn't have been good for his psyche, but I think for, he's going to benefit from a fresh start, a new coaching staff, any kind of, you know, odd feelings, ill feelings from a previous situ- you know, situation, whether, you know, and maybe Jaeger not giving him the, the minutes he wanted or he felt like he deserved would be gone. So I do expect more from Harry. Yeah. And then aside from just staying healthy, what's the focus is this offseason for Giles? Ah, uh, he kind of started to show some of that stuff, you know, during the season, cutting down, you know, the things you kind of maybe can't work on now. Season, cutting down the turnovers, cutting down on the fouls, you know, and him, it's just, he's so skilled. It's just working on everything. And he said, staying healthy, getting stronger. Cause I think somebody pointed out to me, they feel like at his legs get strong. Cause their thing was his legs really, they were healthy, but they're not going to be as strong as they'll be in a year or two years. Yeah. So some of those things he'll be able to do just be, you know, just on brute, just on strength, you know, he's just a jump through guys and as, as that part of his game comes. And I think, you know, along with that, just kind of working on all his overall skills. The other thing too would be if he can, you know, take his range out to three point range, that would give the Kings another way to keep the floor spaced and open so they can attack. Makes sense. Both of them pretty versatile, Giles Bagley. I mean, you feel like, that you'd be comfortable running that as your front court, right? Those two guys. Oh yeah, I would. I mean, if that's what you end up going with, that's fine. If you end up having to bring hair, you know, if you just say bring Harry off the bench, and I don't know, I, I, this is just a hypothetical idea. Say you resign Costa Cusas, and your starting lineup is Costa, Harry, you know, Costa, Hair, not Harry, Costa, Marvin, Harrison, not Harry, Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy and Fox, and you're coming off the bench with a Bielisa, Giles. About you know, that's not a bad. That's not a bad lineup. Yeah, if that's, if that's you know, it's not bad at all. Even if it, I don't know if we want to go Harry Marvin together starting, but it's an intriguing thing that we didn't. I don't think we saw enough of last year, especially once the team was eliminated from the playoffs. To me, there was no reason why you shouldn't have maybe played Willie less and more more Harry Harry and Marvin. That was just you know my own take, but then obviously Harry got hurt. They weren't going to rush Harry back, and then it kind of figures you know what they didn't need to play him anymore this year. And the injury had nothing to do with the previous injuries. It was just there's nothing to play for. We're not going to rush Harry back for the postseason, so there is no postseason. But I just think that a lot of lineup versatility, which I think would be to the advantage of the Kings. And. With that coaching change, do you see a little bit of a longer leash on some of these young guys with Walton? I think I I think so. And even if there's not, I, uh, the one of the things the Kings really wanted was someone who they thought could communicate better with the guys. 
And I think as long as that happens, that will help a lot. Just, you know, even if, you know, minutes, if there are questions about minutes or a longer leash and, and I just think it's the style the Kings are going to play, the way it's going to run up and down the way they want to. You got to play nine, ten, maybe ten guys anyway, just because you don't want to run guys into the ground. So I think there'll be plenty of minutes to go around. I think last season the issue was the elites are playing more, and then he would play less. You know, it, there was just kind of this, uh, there wasn't a consistency at points when it came to the minutes. Yeah. But I think that you know, so I, I think with a new staff, those guys at least will feel like they'll get the chance to show we all know how the NBA works. You know, you will get to the regular season. You know, seven, eight guys will play the bulk of the minutes. Two or, two or three guys may sneak in there. You have five or six guys ain't not happy because and no no one's ever no team has fifteen happy guys. But yeah. I, I just think that um, the way they're going to play, you're, you're going to need to be able to rely on nine, ten guys a night. I wanted to move into off season a little bit, but the first question I have is that you know does the whole Walton tenant situation you feel like that affects free agents looks at the Kings at all? I don't think so. I mean, right now we're still in early May. It's not until July, you know, when you actually get down. I mean, obviously there are another agents getting lined up. I mean, they're the reason why guys can find a, agree to deals at 901 or 902. So I think all those things, will, I think by the time we get to July, a lot of those things will be answered and cleared up. There's no way to really know how it'll go. But I, I don't think we probably get, I think by the time we get to that point, there will be a. There should be a much more clear resolution, and I think if we get to July and there's nothing happened, I don't see why anyone would expect Luke to not be the coach unless by some strange chance there were say criminal charges. And just based on the press conference from a couple of weeks ago, I just don't. I can't. I'm not anticipating criminal charges being filed against them. So as long as it's not, and, and, and people forget, there have been guys in the league who have you know played or whatever had things going on with civil cases against them. I mean, Derek Rose had a civil case against them. So, I mean, it's not, it's not, an, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's also not unheard of that a guy can, you know, go through a season with a civil, with civil litigation going on. So I, I think that if we get to July and there has been no change, I would expect that, that Luke will be the coach. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. So then, looking at this offseason, assuming that Barnes is back, like you said, pretty comfortable that you can say that, what's the order of priority and what you're looking to bring in? I mean, I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the three positions you're looking at is probably a starting center, uh, assuming that you're putting Bagley at the four. And then a backup point guard, backup wing. But what's the order of priority there? I think center is the number one spot because I mean that that dictates what you do with Marvin. <laughs> that dictates so much. If you don't re-sign Willie or you don't bring him back on a one-year deal, if you don't if you if you don't bring Willie back, you got to find out. You got to figure out what you want to do. And I think a lot of the, we'll know a lot what they think about Marvin based on that decision. Do you do you maybe go? Throw a lot of money at a guy like uh, Nikola, Vucevic, you know, at Vucevic, which I, I personally, I don't think that that's the best fit for them. Yeah, me. Either. I know he rebounds well. I, I just don't. I just I had one scout tell me you can't complain about your defense and then ask him. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know if that's the best fit for them. I mean, it could be splashy. I think they could get by, you know, until say Marvin's ready to be a full time center. You can get by on a guy like DeAndre Short on a one-two-year deal. You know, you, you know, he's a lot of that cap space. A guy like JaVale McGee, who, you know, would have played for Luke in L.A., would know the system. And Luke, I mean, a guy like JaVale would do exactly what they need him, their center to do. Run the floor, protect the rim, grab rebounds, you know, get your offense off the lob, put back, not to run a bunch of plays for you. So in a lot of ways, I think a guy like that makes more sense than you know, spending a ton of money on a guy. 
And then, you know, from there, a year later, you go in the Fox is going to have, you know, they're going to make a decision on Fox. And then it's, it's going to keep going and going. So I think that you really have, you know, and bogey's up after this, after this coming season. Yeah. So you don't want to, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to lock in max money into a guy like Vucevic knowing that in a couple of years, maybe Buddy will probably get max money. Even if it's not the full five years, it's because he'll be a little bit older than most guys in that situation. And even if, no matter what, you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to eventually, you know, and hopefully you're paying Fox and Matt Bagley and, and Harry because that means things are going well. If you're not paying those guys a bunch of money, and I'm a Raider guy, so <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, hey, don't get mad at the market. You're going to have to pay those guys if things go well. And you yeah. want to be in position where you got to pay those guys a lot of money and not have to worry about going out and signing a guy. And I also think, you know, if you're Orlando, you can't let Vucevic walk. Yeah, so is there other guys? I mean, obviously there's there's big-time free agents, but – or I guess starting with that, do you think there's a chance that the Kings at least get a sit-down with some of these guys, like have a conversation? I don't know if they'll be the primary. I don't, I don't think be the primary thing because a lot of those guys the spots they play – the can't you know uh, the um, aren't you know aren't pressed for a guy like why would you know why would Kyrie sit down with the Kings <laughs> you know when you know when you know when he's you know, they, and you know why would they do that when they've already got De'Aaron you look at like you know a guy like Kawhi or KD of course you would love to talk to those guys but they're at a stage of their careers where they're closer to winning and. You know, are closer to you know, they're closer to the end. They are the beginning. They may want to go somewhere they can win quicker. So I just yeah. think if the you know, I think if you look at maybe some of the second tier guys, and the second tier isn't bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> you not know, at all. you know, because because to me, you look at a guy like guys like Kawhi, Kyrie, KD, those are superstars. Yeah. So you know, but if you know, and then I'm just saying the name because I, I kind of consider him in that second tier. It's not that he would fit. But Kimball Walker is a multi-time All Star. Guys like that will, you know, now will listen as opposed to a couple of years ago where guys were laughing at the Kings. Yeah. So I think though, I think if they target the right guys, you know, Clay Thompson will be out there. I don't see, you know, I don't, not that I think they would they would get Clay, but you know, those type of guys they're going to look at. And every year they've gone, you know, they've targeted big name guys, Adala. They're going to look at guys. You know, Zach Levine was a name, so I wouldn't rule them out looking at another guard. You know, but I think maybe Buddy's kind of quieted at some of that by the way he played last season. But I think they'll they'll definitely get you know they'll definitely get some inquiries. I think a lot of the big names may not move, so then you're going to be looking like I said those second tier guys, you know, maybe even the third tier. It still wouldn't be a bad situation. I said at least if you're the Kings, you're away from the days where you can kind of wait and hope that somebody who didn't have a job would <laughs> listen to you. So yeah. I think they're, they're going to be in a real good spot. So one guy that I've seen thrown around a lot, I mean, only on social media given the last couple of days, is Jimmy Butler. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? And then there's also the other Philly guy. I know that Philly's probably looking to bring both of them back, but mm-hmm. I feel like both of those would be decent fits for Sacramento. Oh, uh, Tobias Harris? Yeah. I think Tobias would be perfect for the Kings. I mean, <laughs> to me, you know, that's... I mean, it was a it was a, a previous regime, but you know, Pete D'Alessandro did try to get Tobias Harris, <laughs> so I think that would be a great fit for them. I mean, a, a legit stretch four, he gives you some, like I said, versatility. You know, you, you know, you, you, then I think then you can definitely put Marvin at the five. Yeah. You know, you can go Marvin to buy. I mean, that's a, you know, and that's the guy. You know, now you got a guy who will. You've got to defend. You got to watch out for it. You can get you can get twenty a night without you know running a ton of plays for him. And you know, and I I, I think he's probably more realistic than the Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy's going to end up if he's not in Philly on, in a, on you know some other big market team that's whether it's realistic or not perceived closer to winning. Or if he stays in the East, you know, and goes somewhere, he's, it's a much easier path toward the playoffs than it would be coming out west. So. Yeah. I, I like to I, I like to buy the Kings of the Kings of you know Vladi likes to buy it Harris. Yeah, I mean he's definitely a guy you know like I said not the top tier of the free agents, but he's definitely you know if you had to get a meeting with Tobias Harris and sign him, that would not be the worst thing. I think it would be a great thing for the Kings actually. 
So, but it's more likely that we're splitting up this money rather than throwing it all at one guy. And to go into the centers a little bit, you touched on Jordan. So to me, what, what I'm looking for in a big is some rim protection. Obviously, you know, Willie didn't have that. And, and then spacing and then rebound on a lesser level for me, because I feel like more minutes to Bagley Giles will help that a little bit. But mm-hmm. you talk about DeAndre Jordan. I mean, it, to me, like the rim protection wasn't really there last year. And then there's not the spacing in regards to shooting. I mean, there's vertical spacing, but what you see mm-hmm. fit wise in Jordan. I I just see um I know he's you know he's he's you know hasn't been the same guy the last couple of years, but fit wise what I see is a guy, you know, who will who will chase down the rebounds. He you know, he's not gonna be a guy who's gonna demand you run plays for him, you know. One of the things you had you know, you know, if you when you have him say versus the Willie, Willie wants the ball, he wants to be able to get his shots. I think DeAndre would be great in the pick and roll, you know. Just rolling to the rim, you can get three, four throwing the ball near the rim for him. So I mean, I'm not, I, and I'm no one in the way suggesting that DeAndre is a fix-all. I, I'm just looking at the Kings cap situation, yeah. and if you and if and say you have with thirty plus million, and you've got to you want to try to you got to spend it for next year, you give a guy like that a one-year twenty million dollar deal. You know that way you're you know you're not a salary floor. He fills the need. It may be only for a year, you know, but it fills the need, you know, and then, you know, that, that deal can also be moved, you know, it's a one year deal. You can also trade that at the deadline if you, if you need to, to create something somewhere else. So I know people have gotten on me saying why you mentioned DeAndre, you know, his, you know, his, his defensive numbers have been down, you know, I, and I hear all that. I'm just looking at the big picture and just that, hey, for one year, could do a whole lot worse than him for a year. Yeah. So then, do you hear some other names in there too? Like a, I, I think Brooke Lopez is a really nice fit. But I don't know the chances he leaves Milwaukee, but maybe him, someone like Deadman. I think Brooke would, yeah, Brooke would fit. You know, Brooke was another guy who was with Luke Walton. Oh, and Brooke had a good. And I'm sorry, not. I'm thinking the other Lopez. My bad. Right, you're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's confusing. He's twins. Mean, they're, Stan- they're Stanford guys, and I'm a Cal guy, so I mean, to me, they're just the same. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Brooke is a you know, you know, Brooke is you no know, rebound, defend, twenty something minute a guy, no twenty something. Now hold up, it's like you, you said Milwaukee, so that is Brooke, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, it's in my bed. The right one. Okay, Robin's the mascot fighter. See? Yeah, exactly. I was, yeah, yeah. So be, yeah, <laughs> I think that would be that would definitely be that would that would fit just because he he. No, he's a spacing big now, which is odd to say. I remember he was an all-star in the traditional center. Now he shoots threes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I think Deep that would, that, yeah, that would be a good, that would, that would be a good fit for them, you know? And then if, you know, and he would cost a lot less than some other guys possibly, you know, then, then maybe you can get him and some help on the wing. Maybe you resign a Corey Brewer, you find another wing, you know, and that allows you to fill more than one hole. And I think if you're going to run Luke's system, you got to get some guy. It helps to have guys who played with Luke. Yeah. So I think that 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 would be you know that would be ideal. And then it would force me to be nice to a Stanford guy, which is tough for me. But <laughs> unfortunately, I hate to admit it. A lot of the Stanford guys, people I've dealt with, I've always liked them. I just I don't know why they chose that school, but <laughs> <laughs> they're usually pretty good guys to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, the Kings have just so many options right now, and it's not like they have to go in saying we need five, six, you know, we need four positions. Yeah. They, you know, they pretty much are set, you know, and like I said, center is going to be the center, backup point guard, backup small forward. To me, are there three, got to be the three priorities. Yeah. So then talking on that backup point guard a little bit, I feel like the perfect fit is Patrick Beverly. I mean, who knows if he's gone from the Clippers. He's kind of become the identity of that team. But if the Clippers are looking at adding two max guys, then maybe Beverly's available. Is that is that a high priority there looking at Patrick? I like I like him for the Kings. I mean, I think you need a – I think there's been a lot of people saying that De'Aaron needs to do more defensively. You get a guy like that. There's a guy who's going to show you what to do. And yeah. the Kings need, you know, they need some more tough guys. You know, they need some more, they need a couple of, you know, right now you're two probably determined just like 
guys who actually have that dog in them are two the two youngest players. That's you know Marvin and Harry. Yeah. You know, you know. I think you need you need maybe another vet or two, a guy who's just going to you know bring you know bring a nasty side. Because I mean, I think it started to change a little, but the knock on the Kings for more than a decade has been that they're, they're a soft team. If you rough them up, they'll fold. Yeah. And you know, and so you got to get some guys in there who don't tolerate that, and then show the show the young guys how to play through that. I think you know you got you can be so young. You don't know how to deal with it, and you can have vets on the bench, but you need guys who can actually get on the court with those guys and show them, like, hey, yeah. who showed De'Aaron. When they set that screen, you've got to do this to fight through it, and I think that would be a good guy for them, but obviously he's going to be a guy waiting to see what happens you know, with L.A. Maybe they add a guy and they keep him. You know, so I mean, going to, you know, the team has to pay a little bit more to lure some of those guys away, but when you've got their cap space, maybe you do go. Two million a year higher just to lose those guys to Sacramento. Yeah. So then some of the other names I've seen you throwing around for backup point guards is like Jeremy Lin, who actually isn't getting any minutes in this Toronto series. And then I saw you throw Isaiah Thomas in there too. So that was just me being, you know, I mean, just, you know, I'm not saying in no way am I thinking that's actually going to happen or predicting it, but. I just think if you want to light a fire under your under your guard, yeah, <laughs> you want a lot of fire. Bring it in because if it is not going to be your starter, whoever starts is going to earn is going to earn those minutes because <laughs> he's going to push you. And I just you know I just I I I, want, I would love to see the Kings continue to add competitive guys, you know. And I just you know just competitive fiery type guys, kind of guys who will stir the pot out there. So yeah. I like you know. I, I that, that was thinking behind that, you know. I don't know what's going to happen with my buddy it. I mean, it's kind of weird to watch the playoffs going on. He, he's not getting any run, but yeah. it's a tough spot for him. You know, he missed most of the year. The team has the first, second best record in the West most of the year without you, and he he can't just throw him out there, and integrate him easily. You know, he's a good, he's a ball dominant guy. So I mean, I, I you know he's we'll never know how badly that hip set him back. You know, or what he'll be next year. But I mean, I was just looking at names, the guys who I just thought would be fun, but yeah. it's in terms of competitiveness. So then, what other names, you know, if I dig into it a little bit, like I see a Corey Joseph, Ricky Rubio, maybe, uh, Alfred Payton, he can't stay super healthy, but is there other backup point guards that you hear thrown around? I mean, I. Those are pretty much the, the core of the names you hear. You know, like you said a guy like Peyton fits with the Kings, maybe needing a backup, and maybe he stays healthier playing, you know, eighteen to twenty minutes a game instead of playing thirty plus minutes. Yeah, you know, so so you know, there's 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 different ways to look at it, and I think uh, it also depends on what you're going to do with Bogdanovich. How much point will he play next? If he's going to play a lot of point, maybe. That's not as high as a priority in terms of just who you, who you pursue. But I still think they need to get at least one, you know, backup point guard with some a little bit a little more size. They're just so small behind De'Aaron, and you know, Frank, you know, didn't get much run last season. Don't know what you, I actually I like I like Yogi more than most people do. I thought Yogi, you know, could help if he had played more at times, just because I thought you know, but uh. It's hard for a guy to get a rhythm offensively if he's playing 10 minutes a night. You know, Jamal Crawford is a freak of nature. Those guys can't just walk off the bench and get, you know, <laughs> and do that most yeah. of their career. Or even a Lou Williams guy that's come in and they don't have to worry about getting, you know, getting 30 minutes to get what they, you know, do what they do. So there's going to be, like I said, I mean, a lot of different ways they can look at this position. Like I said, whether it's Bogdanovich playing more points. Whether it is signing a guy and bringing him in, they're going to have plenty of options. Yeah. So then the last position we got, you talked about it a little bit, is like a bag of bling. I mean, to me, it's likely some sort of three and D guy that I think of. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Jared Dudley threw the Kings out there. You could yeah. entertain bringing Brewer back. I mean, Shumpert. I I don't know who who interests you there. There's Trevor Reza, Damari Carroll. Yeah, I I think I like a reason. I mean, the thing is, too, is we can't, the Kings can rule out the trade market. They're going to have so much cap space. You know, you got to start kind of looking through some of the bad. You know, the people that threw out Chris Middleton for the Kings for a while, but I don't think that's going to 
you know, I don't, I don't see them now that they got Harrison Barnes. You know, that doesn't make any sense now. But I mean, I think that's a big. They can also look at those. Got the trade market's going to stick to them too because they have the cap space. They can take on a guy who maybe you know a team is just trying to move. You know, just so they can create space and sign someone. So you know, you look around the league. It's it's kind of hard to go to the top of my head, but there's going to be some guys out there who I think will become available just because teams are trying to create space. And then, you know, so you look at like maybe the Clippers roster and say, if they're trying to create a little more space, maybe we can help them a little, but they give us a player we want. Or you look at, you know, the Lakers or you look around, maybe Miami wants to move Justice Winslow. You know, you got to, you got to, you know, you got to pry and look everywhere and just kind of see, well, not just the free agency, you know, who, who might be out there with a contract that, you know, they may want to move or unload a guy. So they're going to have so many different options. They can look, you know, Patrick McCall type guys, you know, you can bring off the bench, you know, maybe there's a guy like that on who is on a good team now, who's not getting the minutes that you can pay him maybe $8 million as opposed to the two and a half he makes this year. Yeah. And, and add some depth like that. That, that's interesting. You know, you got a whole nother world that you got me thinking I need to explore. All these guys, <laughs> do, you know, like there's so much more. I'm all looking through the free agents. I'm like, you know, maybe there's this guy no one's talking about. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, their, their ability to take on, you know, the trade market, especially they think it'd be a, you know, a third team in a deal. There's a lot of flexibility, yeah. you know, and the, the only question is that you want to move one of your, you know, I mean, pretty much their core players who they, you know, are, you know, Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Marvin, Harry. That's, you know, and now Harrison. Those are your core. Outside of that, you know, I think, you know, any of those guys who are still under contract could get moved. But, you know, maybe you maybe you ship that guy out of the a guy out as part of a deal to bring someone back in you like. So, I mean, there's so many different ways they can go right now. That's what makes the offseason for them so exciting. It's not like they're walking in without any space and it's just stuck. They can do a lot of different things. Last question I got for you, Jason. Obviously King's mm-hmm. not in the postseason right now. You got a you got a playoff team you're rooting for? No. I I was rooting for DeMarcus. So okay. I guess by default that meant I was rooting for the Warriors. But I'm I I way I am you know, I'm pretty much rooting for all the guys that, you know, I want you know, I would love to see, you know, with you know, with DeMarcus Hurt, I would love to see Mike Malone do well. Or yeah. I just um, to me, of all the t- my ten years covering the Kings, that's still the most bizarre situation I was ever around. And Malone was a is such a good guy. He, you know, I, I wear a lot of hip hop shirts. He, he he got every he knew a lyric for any shirt I wore. <laughs> he dropped hip hop lyric. You know, when he said he said you got to protect your neck, I was like, yeah, this is my favorite coach of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I, you know, I tend to like, like kind of fool for guys I know, or there's really nobody from Cal. Well, Jalen Brown's from Cal. I'm from LA, and he's a Celtic, so that's kind of a strange yeah. relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I mean, I just, I just want a good. I want, I want the finals to be competitive. I don't want to see a sweep. You know, I want to, see, and I. That's really what I'm hoping for at this point because I don't think Houston is looking like they're going to go ahead and you know, go down in four or five. They, they, they just they just can't get it done against the Warriors when it matters. I mean, regular season, yeah, postseason, not so much. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know what they can do to beat the Warriors. Well, Houston was supposed to be one of the best matchups. I mean, if they can't do it, do you think that realistically anyone is taking down that Golden State team? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I didn't think that anyway. Even if Houston was a good matchup, and I think if I, I do think if Milwaukee or if Milwaukee gets healthy, they get Brogdon back, they can be a problem. I think Philly. I think I think this year the East can be a much bigger problem. I think if yeah. Philly gets through, you know, the, the 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 Warriors can't match up with Embiid, and you you know, and then you've got two good defenders on for actually. Three, I think Redding is, you know, the decent defender. You've got Ben Simmons out there, and you've got, um, you know, Jimmy Butler. You know, you you, know, you, you, you got guys can all be effective in the starting lineup. Their bench doesn't match, you know, match up. But the Warriors isn't as good as it used to be. And I think if Boston gets through, Boston might be the most talented team, but you know, outside yeah. of the Warriors. So I mean, there's going to be. I think the finals, should, you know, it's going to present a challenge. I think in a lot of ways for the first time. 
the West won't be the toughest thing for the for the Warriors. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a whole lot of different ways, and it's gonna, it's gonna be fun to watch. I think. I, I, like I said, part of me hopes the Marcus can if they get to the finals and maybe get out there. I just me knowing him so well, I know it's killing him that no, he's not. He's had he's had a he had a rough year, you know. Yeah. Part, you know, some of the personal losses like his grandmother, the injury, you get back, you get hurt again, and I know a lot of medical people told me him getting hurt wasn't really a shock because it takes about two years for your body to really get all the way back. So yeah, I, I would love to see him get a chance to get back on the court in the playoffs. Yeah, me too. Poor guy, really. I mean, you just anybody. You want to see everyone be healthy, be able to have the potential to reach their max ceiling of play. And he yeah. was just coming back around. But um, that was everything I had for you, Jason. Is there anything else that you wanted to maybe throw in there? No, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I'm pretty sure when in a, you know, in the next couple of weeks, a month or so, things will be different. You know, we we'll close to the draft, and yeah. Kings don't have a first round pick, so that's a weird thing for me not worrying about the lottery. <laughs> but you know, you know, they got, you know, but they have a high second round pick, which you know, and if you play that right, you can get you, you can get a good player in that range. So yeah. interesting to see how who they bring in for workouts and how you know work that, and maybe. If they can maybe package that and maybe try to get it to the end of the first round, if possible. So, but that's not till June, so we got some time. Yeah, exactly. So then you got your work on the athletic. You putting out great articles there. Is there anything else that you got going on? People should check out. No, I mean that's pretty much, pretty much all. You know, work wise, unless you're bored and you want to, you know, I'm I'm very immature and silly on Instagram. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I don't, that's about all I do is just, you know, king and crack, you know, when it's not king crack jokes on Instagram and Twitter. There so, I know. mean, that's pretty much all I do. Yeah. So a reporter and an entertainer. Uh, I try. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for taking the time, Jason. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to pick your, pick your brain a little bit. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Big thank you to Jason Jones of The Athletic for taking the time. You can find the King's Pulse podcast on every major podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Just search King's Pulse. Thank you for listening to this episode, everyone. We will be back Monday.